0: Gory days are here to say
1: The 80s horror show. Take a stroll down every sleigh. It's time to start the show. The The gory days. 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 Welcome to The Gory Days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and beyond. Kyle Leone here, your host for another week, and what a week it is. We have some fan- a fantastic guest in the studio here today, but before I get into that, really quickly... Uh, As I mentioned last week, if for any reason anybody out there wants to hear more of me, I've launched a new podcast called Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor. It's a podcast where I talk a little bit more about um, my personal life and uh, being a creative with mental illness. And frankly, it's not really on brand for this podcast. So if you want to check that out, it's uh, Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor right where you're listening to this podcast right now now but this isn't feeling it out this is the gory days where we take a stroll down blah 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 my <laughs> guest today is an actor ladies and gentlemen she's been uh featured in supernatural american mary and Marilyn thomas's bloodbus yes. uh when she came uh by here to do the thing She is an author light, having written an essay featured in the new book, My Favorite Horror Movie 2, about the very movie that this episode is titled Session 9. Please welcome to the gory days for the first time, Paula Lindbergh.
0: Hello, hello, hello.
1: Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm
0: good. So this is
1: our first time meeting. You're a friend of uh, Marilyn's and thankfully she recommend or how did that work? Did she reach out to you first?
0: She did. How did we become friends? Oh, how
1: did she uh, get you in? How did she tell you about the gory days?
0: She uh, mentioned you, said you're awesome and super passionate (laughs) about horror and was like, hey, can I set up a meeting?
1: Awesome. The reviews are in. (laughs) So you're also interested in horror. You've written this essay and you were in Supernatural. Is that kind of your milieu is the world of horror?
0: You know, I did um, American Mary years ago, and it kind of really got me involved in the horror community, specifically in Los Angeles. Okay. And I had recently moved from Vancouver, Canada.
1: Oh, is that where you're from originally? Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: And it was such an inviting, awesome, cool
1: community. Yeah. And that's kind of how I
0: got uh, sucked in.
1: So were you acting in Vancouver too?
0: Yeah, that is primarily. Yeah, that's where I started my career. That's where I did a lot of my work. Okay. Previously, yeah.
1: Fantastic. So uh, I have to imagine my listeners' first question is: Is Jensen Ackles as charming uh, in real life as he is on TV? Yes,
0: one hundred
1: percent. I was amazed when I found out he did uh, Batman. He did the voice of Batman on a couple of uh, animated episodes. Oh my God, um, I did! And know I that. realized like he has that voice, and I never, yeah, yeah he it does never could like, Were you a fan tough. before you uh, were on the show?
0: I, I'm always a fan of handsome male actors. <laughs> no, um, I, I was a fan. I hadn't actually seen a lot of it, which is ironic because it's been on for so long, in, especially in Vancouver.
1: I think it's like sixteen or more seasons at this point. I'm yes, not sure. Wow, it's wild,
0: and it keeps going. Yeah, um, but they were so so lovely to work with and kind. And that was like one of my first bookings. Was it really? Yeah, and I had to do things that you know I had never done before on set, like fight.
1: Oh, you got to do fight choreography. Yeah.
0: That's and, awesome. And uh, drive a semi truck. And. What character were you playing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where you drive a semi truck and fight?
0: Um, I was a, a truck stop waitress. Okay. Who is actually a Vetla and drains the life force out of men.
1: Oh, I feel like I should know what a Vetla is. Is that like a a, a succubus?
0: Yeah, slightly succ- succubus vampire adjacent. Okay. You know, it, it's a. Melange. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, And that was your first booking here in LA, you're saying? No,
0: that was in Vancouver. Oh, okay. It was one of, yeah, one of my very early bookings. And I got to fight. I actually punched Jensen accidentally in the uh, quad and Charlie horsed his leg and he was very nice about it.
1: I now you have something to talk about forever. Know, right? <laughs> That's a pretty great story. You you paralyzed Jensen Ackles on the set of Supernatural. Uh, Not bad.
0: Yeah, no, but they were great. Like, they gave me lots of tips about how to make, like, a slap look more realistic. Or, you know, like, if you get down low and come in from this angle with the camera, it's just going to look better. Um, I did get in trouble with the director. Paula. <laughs> I know. Jared also very tall and handsome and he kills me in the thing and in that scene the director was like Paula he's French I can't do a French French accent to save my life Paula um it is looking too sexy he is murdering you it is not a sexy scene
1: you were a little too (laughs) sexy on the death
0: and I'm like but he's so cute (laughs)
1: um so what what, was that something like they stab you in the chest and you just have to go "Ah." yeah
0: like I had to grab him and he stabs me and then I turn back into my or like I evaporate
1: into an ash creature. that's really exciting yeah. and then then you were hooked well you were hooked before that yes, but yeah, yeah. um that's when uh well when did you make the move to LA then
0: I technically moved like seven years ago but I was back and forth a lot okay and then I would say I, like planted
1: well yeah, sure it seems like you had a. Uh, it, it seems like you probably had relationships in Vancouver still right. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So very exciting. Yeah. So then Marilyn Thomas comes into your life and casts you in bloodbus Is that here or is that also in Vancouver?
0: This was here. So we met years ago and the horror movie they did, American Mary, those twins, the Saska twins, the directors, okay. they host a blood drive every year. Oh, that's right. Yes. To, you know, raise awareness in the horror community, get people out to donate. Um, and we're like, hey, do you guys want to do a short? And we were like, yeah. So we actually... I. Pro- helped with the producing of it as oh, well. Oh, so you're we, a producer on it too. Yes.
1: Uh, that's that a good credit.
0: It is. It's very stressful though and I don't know that I ever want to do it again.
1: The most I've <laughs> ever done organizational in uh, production is AD so I can't imagine like stepping that far back looking at the whole project macro what's uh, what's expected of you.
0: It's just putting out fires constantly and running around and yeah, stress. So that's
1: not where you want to move to? You want to stay oh, in acting? I
0: want to do yoga and think about <laughs> my motivation.
1: Right. <laughs> um, so... This book that came, my favorite horror book too, is this something that you just blindly submitted an essay to, or did you have to, how did this uh, come into your life?
0: No, this is, so Christian Ackerman, he, um, I met him years ago at Scream Fest, which is where American Mary premiered. Okay. And um, kept in touch, would see him at mutual events, and he reached out. Uh, and asked if I would be part of it. And this is so they did a volume one and it okay. was a hit. And then they've done volume two and three together. So May I
1: see your copy really quick? Of course. Thank you very much. So uh, Paula was nice enough to bring in a copy because it's I my, it's was. This
0: my signed copy?
1: Because I didn't go out and buy one, a good interviewer like myself. <laughs> no, she was nice enough to give me her essay so I didn't have to. Uh, I'm sure all the other essays in here are amazing, but I wanted to focus on hers. <laughs> uh, so is this something that people can pick up at uh, Amazon or yeah, uh,
0: amazon.com. To so so. describe
1: it for the listeners, I'm looking at it's kind of like a vector 80s style, which is perfect yes, for this show, right? uh, with like a mummy maybe doctor on the front shooting laser beams out of his hands. Sure. <laughs> it's looks invented. scary. I'm scared of him. Yeah, but I like it. <laughs> and so the idea was um, individuals would pick one horror movie yeah. that really resonated with them, and then they would write uh, however much they wanted to?
0: Yeah, basically. Okay. They they gave us a word count and said, make it personal. Don't just like give us a summary of the movie, but tell us why it touched you, why it affected you, why it's drawn you into horror. And it's great. You know, they've got people who work in special effects and directors and some are just fans, some are actors, some are, it's across the board. Yeah. Frankly, it's
1: perfect for this podcast. I think I'll pick up a copy and reach out to some of the authors because yeah, it's it's, it's perfect. So um, is this something that you like to do on the side as an author light is right? I hate writing. Oh, shh. I won't tell anybody.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm not a good writer. I'm a very... I don't like to sit in front of a computer. I don't like to be still. I'm someone who likes to be active and doing. I'm a doer. You like hustling. I like to work with my hands. I like to be... Yes, exactly. I like to be working out. So
1: this was tough for you.
0: This was tough to for me. To and sit down and contain yourself (laughs) to just a
1: keyboard (laughs) instead of using the space like you want. Oh,
0: I definitely reached out to many people to be like, help me edit this. Does this make sense? Is this (laughs) logical? Are you understanding what I'm saying here?
1: So um, I feel like we've already kind of uh, been in it, but uh, your relationship to horror, was Mm -hmm. this something that like as a kid, you saw a movie really young and you were just sucked in or was it more of a gradual thing over your life?
0: I, um... I had a friend in elementary school whose dad loved horror and we used to go and that's where I I, I would sleep over at her house. So I was never allowed to watch scary movies. Like I think I like Bambi was like traumatizing for me at that point. And I would go to her house and we, was this something
1: that was like, um, uh, your parents didn't like you watching scary movies or it was just something you,
0: they were kind of strict and they didn't want me to just to be exposed to that stuff. Um, but yeah, my parents were the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like we watch Chucky and then we oh, be up all night.
1: That's that's the one that made me love horror is Child's Play. But yeah. I was terrified for for like most of my adolescence. Yeah, and they're making
0: a series now. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. I heard about that. I don't know how I feel after the uh, the Netflix movie ended.
0: Uh, Are you familiar? I didn't see. No. Uh,
1: so uh, there's two movie. There was the movie that got made. Yeah. Um, and there's Don Mancini who's taking the original story and is making a, a series completely unrelated to the movie that came out. So I'm sorry, we got it's a little bit. <laughs>
0: It's definitely emotionally confusing, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I
1: don't know what themes they're trying to play on there, but uh, I derailed you a little bit. That's so fine, uh, in uh, elementary school, you had a friend, you said.
0: Yes. And we we saw summer camp. Well, Felicia Rose is one of the people who put this book together. Oh, fantastic. So we said that. And then, yeah, it just it was traumatizing. And I would not sleep. And then... I was a very sensitive child, so I would say I really took a break from horror because I really dealt with a lot of insomnia issues. I definitely thought my closet was haunted for an extended period of time. Um, As you do. (laughs) As you do. I think I, I can't remember what this movie was called, but I remember specifically we watched a horror movie about a closet monster. I'm sure someone out there knows what it's called.
1: It could be Boogeyman, but it's funny because I was terrified of my closet too, but it was distinctly from uh, Cujo, My Mm. mom loved Stephen King, and she had a ton of Stephen King books, and uh, she warned me not to read any of them, but I picked up Cujo, of course, and the first page is about a little boy who sees red eyes in his closet, and that just stuck with me until like i went to college i think <laughs>
0: maybe it's stephen king i read a lot of Stephen been. king like probably starting around 10 or 11 okay. as well
1: yeah 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 it's
0: too young for that i feel like that's maybe. the thing
1: it's like a movie is harder to sneak to watch but a book i could sneak that and read it of and course. it's totally silent and no one's gonna know yeah
0: yeah and it oh and it gets into your body more too yes. because you imagine the world
1: yes exactly yeah honestly reading your essay i feel like uh I could just read your essay for this episode and it would tell, it would say all of the thoughts that I had. Of course, it wouldn't include some of these like um, really specifics like the Summer of the Black Sun. You mentioned the book in here.
0: Yeah. So I was 16, I think, in a used bookstore and found this book called, um, it was a big reader I, uh, called Summer of the Black Sun. And it was about a guy who slowly slips into mental illness and eventually ends up getting a lobotomy. And it was Fucking terrifying. It sounds terrifying because every step of the way, you're like, I could do, I could have a bad day and do that. Yeah, oh my god, I could also do that, and it kind of like it spawned my obsession with like human psychology and how do these normal people all of a sudden go out and murder? their family or 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 whatnot i love true crime oh
1: my gosh that's i'm so happy to hear you say that that's literally something i've said in the past about horror about on this show is that like horror unlike any other genre examines the kinds of things of like how far is a father willing to go to save his family or how much flesh is someone willing to lose to live and that kind of stuff but the the real nugget with this movie and like Joker recently and things yes. is that like, Oh, mental illness is just one straw away from being a serial killer. Yeah. And it can be problematic because disassociative identity disorder, as I understand is very real and yeah. is diagnosed and treatable, but it's constantly, there's a huge list of horror movies that play it as like, yeah, if you have a disassociative identity disorder, you are a serial killer. Right. And
0: right. you need to be
1: institutionalized. Right. Yeah.
0: No, it's such a slippery slope and it's fascinating to me that we are we're it's, held prison by our minds, yes. and like one little thing can go off.
1: And how we still don't understand it enough yeah. that we still institutionalize people. Yeah, it's a course. lot. It's it's not like this where people <laughs> there's a throwaway line of like people were institutionalized for underachieving or something like right, that. Right, like right, right. it's not that bad where we're throwing people in for for being gay, but uh,
0: or PMS if you were a woman. Geez, or, yeah, you know, or just yeah, yeah womanly trouble. women's hysteria. hysteria right? Oh my like, god, women are too emotional. So yeah. they would be
1: institutionalized. So um, you mentioned in your essay here that it kind of influenced your acting and the way that you approach characters. So I'm not an actor and I don't have any uh, uh, key into that world. So uh, what do you mean when you try to inhabit that kind of space? Because I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you've experienced, but... I have to imagine if if you've actually experienced some of the things that your characters have.
0: I have not murdered anybody.
1: (laughs) Well, I have not
0: sucked the life force out of anybody yet. Um, But what is that like? I just I don't know. I just find it really fascinating, and I really try to come from a uh, a place of non judgment with my characters, which I think is hard, especially if they've done something really bad. You know? No,
1: I think of um uh um uh oh shoot who. uh, Topher Grace, Topher yes. Grace in um Black K Klansmen, playing um uh David Duke and how he had to take like a few months to decompress from that character.
0: Yeah. Because you wanna like pain begets pain, right? You know what I mean? And and this doesn't come out of nowhere. And where do these people come from? And how does this happen? And how would my brain how can I get my brain to flip into that? I mean, it's that's so fascinating yeah. for me.
1: It's why true crime podcasts are so popular right yes. now and like Mindhunter that there's there's this ache in society i feel like at least in me that i yeah. it's not enough to just see them do the scary things that we've seen before i want to know why yeah. i want to know what what brought the person to that point
0: where does this come from yeah, and but, how, why as a culture are we like this and why as a human are we like this and it's always been around and we've always been brutal and we've always been violent We're probably less violent than we used to be you know 500 years ago but yeah.
1: But you take this one step further and you go, oh, I want to feel that. I want to know what that feels like instead of just listening to it from like arm's length. <laughs> <laughs> so that's impressive. And are you okay?
0: <laughs> I am okay. I think. Okay. Oh, who's the redheaded actress? God, this is me. In Amy Adams. No, older, older. Go older. <laughs> Natasha Leone. God, no. No, okay. Anyway, but she said like I keep my life really sane and healthy so I can be dark and deep and go off the, you know what I mean? So you can take those risks. To keep them
1: totally separate.
0: Because if you keep yourself together, like I don't think you have to live that life to play that person. I think- you can use your empathy and your smarts and your creativity to access that.
1: Right, because you always hear like, you know, the extremes of method actors like Christian Bale or
0: uh, yeah, I don't who super, stay in character
1: for years or something like that.
0: I don't super duper agree with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, like you said, you want to do yoga and you want to go get your coffee and then, oh, you know, then I'll be a, a serial killer, crazy person, but... Yeah,
0: I'm not saying it doesn't affect you. Like when you go and have a deep, dark day like that, of course it does. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think you, you you if you maintain throughout your life a little bit of mental health, then you can really go there. And Absolutely. Take really, really scary risks. Yeah,
1: because what your essay gets at is that we are all like one really bad day from unraveling and who knows where we end up. If we lose our support network or yes. if just a lot of bad things happen in a really bad part of town on a really bad time of day and you just – it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Or like, like, like
1: you see these Instagram videos on, or on Reddit of like public freakouts, And I, I can't laugh at those. I, I, I reach out and I go, that person needs help and they're filming.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
1: So I don't exactly. mean to get on a high horse no. <laughs> on, uh, social media no, exactly. influencers. Um, but, uh, You mentioned one other thing here. Oh, yeah. So uh, in Vancouver, you said that every actor eventually shoots at Riverside Hospital. Uh, What's the story about Riverside Hospital? Why is it such a popular film location?
0: Vancouver is not a huge city, eh? So there's not like a huge, I mean, the population, I think, is like 2 million as opposed to L.A., right? Okay. So any like really cool filming location gets maxed out.
1: Okay. Um, I know there's the bridge (laughs) that was uh, in Deadpool and uh, James Bond. That bridge is shot a lot. yeah.
0: Um, So Riverside is this old institution that got shut down and it's never gonna be rehabbed into anything. That sounds familiar. Right. And you know, the paint is peeling and there's a morgue in it and there's the cavernous tunnels and it's so creepy. And everybody who's worked there has horrible stories. Um, We had an AD quit because she went and like closed all the doors down in one of the, the tunnels and they all swung open nope. instantaneously. Nope, and she nope. was like, I am out of here. <laughs> See you later. Like, I, I remember specifically. Yeah, did you experience So I was playing a ghost. Okay. <laughs> who gets raped by the warden and then murdered.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, no, I murder him. Yes, no, I murdered him and threw him down. Good a, for you. Yeah, the incinerator. Um, and then I hang myself. Oh. Because he comes back and haunts the people that killed him. Oh. I know.
1: This sounds fun. Right. I should check this out. <laughs> What's this, What was this one called?
0: The Unquiet. Very cool. I just rewatched it on Lifetime to see if there was any salvageable footage for me, but it's a little, I'm. it's hazy. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah,
1: that's unfortunate. Um.
0: But I remember sitting in the waiting room and uh, I swear to God, it was like, a f- everybody was sitting with me in our little cast chairs and I was reading my book and I looked up and I was totally alone in this like gross bathroom with the cold plunge tubs and the peel oh it's just a uh, scary
1: so are you are you a believer in these kinds of things that there are some places in the world where that so much just malevolence happened that there are spirits
0: my rational mind wants to say no but i definitely will be like no i'm not going in there and no i don't I don't like that place, and I yeah. think that something is wrong there, and I don't want to know That's if the thing. possession is possible.
1: <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. I, I just, I don't. I'm a, yeah. uh, sci- I'm not a scientist, but I'm a logical person, yeah. and um, at the same time, I just don't like things. It's a feeling. It's yeah. just that kind of thing. Like I don't need to go in there. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no. There's no money in there for me. There's not my my family. Like if that was the case, then maybe I would brave it. But no. There's no reason for me to go into there. I
0: definitely have friends who believe in ghosts. Sure, and they love do. to scare the frick out of me with it and tell me these stories, and I hate it.
1: Yeah. Um, there's an entire TV industry dedicated to people who. Maybe believe in, I mean, I can never tell the people on those shows if they truly believe what they're doing or if yeah. really they just want to be actors. I have a feeling they just want to be actors.
0: I think it's a bit of both. Uh, me and Marilyn, actually, we have a mutual friend who produced. Are they ghost hunter? Oh, okay. <laughs> she produced a ghost show that was like a ghost hunter free show. Uh-huh. And she believes. And she was like, oh, the problem was, you know, they would be out shooting with all the lights. The ghosts don't want to be. With that, she's like, so they're always coming and bugging me. They're (laughs) flipping my notepad. They're doing all this stuff. These
1: annoying little delinquents. She's like,
0: go be in front of the camera. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I can believe this right now. That's
1: so funny. You would have to, because otherwise, like, you're a producer that comes in. You're like, okay. um, So (laughs) in this episode, we pretend a ghost happens yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. everyone else goes no 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 we have to wait till we get there and we just kind of experience like i have to imagine half of the team is treating it like a reality show and the other half is like yeah this is mm, oh. she
0: said a ghost hijacked like uh what are they when a ghost like gloms onto you i don't know what. That, what's that called i'm
1: not sure like like not possession but just like it won't leave you alone right it yeah. followed her uh-huh. from this
0: place where they were shooting and it came to her apartment and she had to have it
1: oh man yeah,
0: gotten rid of
1: I feel like there's a line between believing in ghosts and generalized anxiety disorder like <laughs> I feel every time I get into an elevator no matter the elevator no matter the building there's a part of my brain prepared this could stop this yeah. could break down and I could be stuck in here for hmm, three hours okay I'm prepared for that ten hours and mm, that'd be mm. a little hard yeah um, are the cables old are they
0: oh I don't I don't I won't tell you about um LA elevators and how please don't okay <laughs>
1: Please don't, because, yeah, I already feel that. And I think about it when I get into an elevator with multiple people. I think, is this a group that I wouldn't mind getting stuck with for a while in this tight space? L.A.
0: County is uh, years behind on their elevator inspections.
1: And that's awful, because we're uh, overdue for the big one. So there's going to be a lot of people. Take the stairs. (laughs) Take the stairs. Take the stairs, people. <laughs> uh, so pivoting um, a little bit more toward the movie that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. which is Session 9 from 2001. So I mentioned off mic that I saw this back in 2009. Did you happen to catch this right when it came out? I
0: don't think I caught it right when it came out. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I literally cannot remember where I saw it. I just remember it sticking with me. Yeah. And the, see, I just remember the lobotomy scene. Yeah. But I, always, I was already obsessed with lobotomies. And how people thought that was a good idea. Um, but it just haunted me. And, and the slow shots yeah. and that uneasy tension through the whole thing.
1: The whole thing is supported by like the realism that all of this essentially happened. They're not making up a, a story like Jason uh, who right. died at Camp Crystal Lake. Like All of this is real. Yeah. And they reference real events like the uh, satanic ritual abuse and mm-hmm. uh, the... Um, the the woman the Patricia Willard case and what started all of that yeah, yeah. Uh, so not to mention that it all takes place in broad daylight where we are and we think I it's know, safe it's so- all the time <laughs> it's it's great yeah. yeah yeah um so uh you you wrote this movie what made you pick the movie for your essay in the my favorite horror movie too
0: <laughs> when they were when they sent us the breakdown of of what they wanted to write us to write they said don't worry about picking something that other people have already written about. But I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Because, rea- like,
1: there'd be 50 The Things.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, there is a lot of overlap, and that's fine, because people are sharing their personal experiences around it. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to do that, because I do love The Thing, and I do love The Shining. Because, um, again, they're like that slow, yes. psychological... Yes.
1: It's not jump scares. It's one long, yes. slow scare. Yeah.
0: Um, the Thing board game is amazing. I don't know why I guess Oh, I haven't played that. The
1: Thing board game. Oh, my God, it's
0: so good. <laughs> um, But... Uh, and, yeah, I, and honestly, it is a movie that I've always really thought about. And it was that opportunity to go, oh, my God, I'm going to go back and revisit that. Like, I have not looked at that in so long and watched it. And I was like, this still stands out. Yes,
1: it really does. And
0: I made, called my husband. I was like, you're watching this again. I'm watching this again with you. Because <laughs> he had never seen it. And yeah. like,
1: that's a really good movie. And it's one of those movies that you really can just start again as soon as it's over because you're like oh and you go back and you start unraveling like oh that's what was going on with him and yeah yeah. Uh, so, did anyone else in the book write about Session Nine, or were you the oh, only one? Oh no, I'm the
0: only one. Nice. I good... thought everybody was going to judge me and hate me based on my choice,
1: um, and they didn't. They were like,
0: "Oh my god, yes, I yeah." That. So yeah,
1: it's just did. it's funny because like the the it looks like an indie movie from the poster to the cast to the way it's shot. All of it just seems like oh, this is lower budget and all of that. Mm-hmm. But but the story and the actors in it and as you mentioned in your essay the setting elevates this to uh it it look it still feels indie at times Yeah. but the suspension of disbelief is so powerful that i am in it with these people i
0: feel like brad had lofty goals like yeah. he had he he obviously thought about it the director yes. obviously thought about it And had a a vision, he probably had an indie-ish budget, because it is one location, Yes, you know, a small cast, not a ton of extras, you know, he probably didn't do it for a ton of money. At the signing, actually, one of the producer-directors who's in the book, he was like, oh, I was on set for that.
1: No way! That's awesome. Wow, he saw Danvers before it was demolished. I know, I was jealous. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, in my research, and just like in your essay, it was demolished a mere five years after this movie I got know. made. So now there's maybe, I, I think on the Wikipedia, there's one tower standing as just Yeah, uh, I
0: think it's like a condo
1: development. Yeah, they're building condos. So that's, now people can live over the catacombs of this mental institution, mm, which sounds like another good movie. It's
0: like <laughs> being on like an old burial site. Or yeah, something. exactly. Like oh, in like,
1: your burial ground. Yeah, uh, oh. I imagine yeah, the people who move in there will be experiencing some <laughs> kind of ghost. I think
0: Riverside is having a similar thing happen. Putting condos yeah, up where I they used so. to
1: be. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame because it was a great filming spot.
0: It was and it had some places around it because one day that we were shooting. Sorry, I'm going. I'm joking,
1: no, of course. That,
0: it got we got shut down oh, because uh, a mental patient escaped, and then they found that's him right. dead in a bush.
1: Mm. Hmm.
0: I know. Mm. So
1: that's a good production story it, when yes. you're doing your junket, right? right? Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so yeah, let me just give a brief timeline for uh, how this movie got made. As you mentioned, it was written and directed by Brad Anderson um, and his friend Stephen uh, Gavettin. So apparently in Boston, that's where uh, this it's a real building. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the building is real and it is the Danvers uh, State Asylum or the Danvers uh, Lunatic Asylum. Isn't that the name? Yeah, Yeah. Which was a scientific term at some point, I guess. Uh, Inspired by the Richard Rosenthal case that took place in Boston where Anderson grew up in the mid-90s, which is when, you know, he would have been a teenager to hear something like this. Richard Rosenthal was a man in Boston who supposedly killed his wife after she accidentally burnt his dinner. And then he cut out her heart and lungs and put them in his backyard on a steak. Super brutal. Super, uh detailed
0: touchy touchy temper there
1: yeah yeah and he didn't
0: like burnt food
1: and so whatever happened with him i I can't speak to whatever he was going through but he committed a horrible thing and it was it was bad but it inspired this movie uh brad (laughs) Anderson. Kept that with him his whole life, I can imagine, and decided uh, after directing two romantic comedies, next up Wonderland and Happy Accidents, neither of which I've seen. You know what? You take what you can get. When you <laughs> exactly. Start out. He decided he wanted to write horror, and I was I was musing to myself, uh, I wonder if he always wanted to write horror, and he had to do romantic comedies, or if he actually liked romantic comedies, and this was just a test for him.
0: I think it happens a lot when you're starting out. You take what is given to you yeah yeah like
1: you're still finding your voice yeah so most of the film was shot in um a small section of the danvers state asylum so they are on location and every almost every shot that you see is no production designer like went in and put all of that together if anything a production designer would come to this place to take notes on how to make an (laughs) asylum because it's perfect it's absolutely perfect a lot of the
0: files were left and like yeah, they used blood vials I, yeah. and like files. But they were like were afraid there. to film. Like the fact that that was all still there is really it's, bizarre.
1: It is bizarre. The because they mentioned that. Um, I mean, this like once again was a real thing that Reagan closed the institutions and mm. all of these mental patients, uh, some of which were violent were just left yeah. to fend for themselves and so wow. a huge amount of them became homeless and like they mentioned some of them even came back because that was the only Squatting. home they knew yeah. they would squat there or um yeah so yeah that's a real thing that happened and uh now this real building exists with files and it's it's almost like it's apocalyptic the way it yeah. looks like people just vanished like yeah. instantly they all just ran and they didn't pick up their their files or anything even
0: like the poster with the wheelchair just sitting
1: there yeah like there's
0: equipment just sitting out left around so what
1: do you make of that like i have to imagine that if a if an asylum like this existed as long as it did and was derelict for this long they mentioned there's graffiti people coming in Mm -hmm. and there's there's uh transients and stuff but it still look like, looks like they haven't touched anything. That chair is there. There's some places, I guess it makes sense that, that it's structurally unsound. Right. Yeah, but it's, I'm belaboring, it's a beautiful room. It's yeah. a beautiful yeah. building. Yes, yes. Um, and it's a real place that used to exist. As we mentioned, it got uh, demolished, unfortunately, to make condos. Yeah. So Session 9 premiered at the Fantasia Festival on mm-hmm. July 31st, 2001, and it was released next month on Friday, August 10th. So the movie stars Gordon Fleming uh, or no <laughs> <laughs> Oh man that's I, I do that some (laughs) times where I read the characters wrong it does star Gordon Fleming but the person who plays him it stars Peter Mullen the great Peter Mullen in this role David Caruso who everyone will recognize from CSI Miami Stephen Gavettin the writer the co-writer of this movie got to play Mike which is pretty cool Josh Lucas as Hank Brandon Sexton the third as Jeff Spartan a mullet
0: (laughs) I'm such a fan
1: (laughs) which is so funny because like they even make fun of him in the movie for having the (laughs) mullet
0: and he hated it I think too really something about that in filming Yeah, yeah Yeah.
1: That's funny. Yeah. Jurian um, Hughes as the Mary Hobbs, who I can only assume did all those voices. Except for maybe I think Simon, so. I think so. No, I think all of them, which is really impressive, because yeah. Billy especially sounds like a boy. It sounds yeah. like a it sounds like a little boy. A
0: lot of female voice actors do little boys,
1: yeah, which is funny. I
0: have some little boys in my voice demo. I never get cast. Oh, awesome! Them, so apparently, they're not very good, oh. but I do have them on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's like um, women playing uh, Peter Pan. It's mm-hmm. this uh, kind of youthful energy that unfortunately yeah. men, after they yeah. hit puberty, yeah, can't yeah. recreate.
0: Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, we've got Larry Fessenden as. Uh, Greg the guy who shows up at the end Paul Guilfoyle as Bill the I guess super who he doesn't own it but he's in charge of hiring the the help to come in like
0: another CSI connection
1: and then poor Charlie Broderick is just security guard (laughs) he has a ton of lines and he actually gives us like the most exposition but he doesn't get a name
0: (laughs) and you know actors hate that I was gonna ask on your IMDB you're like waitress
1: yeah. number two like, cocktail ah, yeah yeah just give me a name because if you're going to be waitress you got to be waitress number one at <laughs> least <laughs> um so yes i uh as i mentioned it was directed by brad anderson but it was produced by john sloss dorothy ofiero david collins and michael williams with music by the seattle washington-based experimental band climax golden twins i didn't even
0: know that and i loved the, the music score it, it was so cool freaking creepy the
1: little lilting piano i'm stopping
0: myself from swearing should i be
1: oh you can say fucking piss it's fine and shit it's fine (laughs) (laughs) um so distributed by universal pictures uh this movie is uh it's a cult classic it made a lot more money after uh the theater circuit did not make very much uh, at all
0: why do you think people didn't like it
1: why do i think people oh um I have a feeling that a lot of people don't have the patience that you and I have mm. for that slow horror. Brad Anderson in the IMDb and my research, he expressed that he wanted to write this movie as kind of like an answer to all of the jump scare, teen killer movies that existed up to that point. Oh. And so he wanted to make a movie that relied on kind of the opposite, slow burn, broad daylight. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why that's people took That's why I loved it. Yeah,
0: that's why okay. I love it.
1: And that's yeah. why I feel like it's gotten a cult following for uh, a, people who can truly appreciate the the good and bad horror. Yeah, because yeah. there are some movies that rely on jump scares that are still good, of and, course. There, and there are some movies that don't that aren't. You know, yeah, yeah. So Definitely. I have a feeling that people didn't respond to. I, I didn't watch any of the trailers. That can be a thing too. Is oh yeah, I've
0: never I've never seen a trailer. They'll for market
1: it. a movie like this as oh it is going to be high octane, super
0: scary, and then the wrong audience goes in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Expecting
1: like um. It makes me think of like paranormal activity. The produ- mm. the the trailers for that um the th- at first they were only showing footage of the audience just reacting and going like, "Oh my gosh." And that was the whole trailer. You never got to see what the actual footage was. Yeah. And then the movie, have you seen Paranormal Activity? No, because I'm scared of ghosts. Oh, okay. Well, it, even though I don't believe in them. That movie it, it made <laughs> the best it, it made a door opening slightly the scariest thing of that year and nothing even happened but you're waiting for so long for something to happen uh yeah Yeah, that type of stuff freaks me out yeah so um i have to imagine that's why uh (laughs) so we're going to go into my first segment which Uh is what the hell just happened (gasps) where we go not beat by beat but just for anyone who hasn't seen the movie we kind of summarize um and i like that you put together uh a summary that i think think i highlighted i thought i would just read that uh, right off the bat oh, yeah you say from paula lindberg's essay she says <laughs> for those of you who missed it session nine follows an asbestos removal crew charged with cleaning out an abandoned insane asylum in the course of their work in this isolated building the tapes of a past patient with multiple personalities are discovered and tensions arise between the co-workers with disastrous and fatal results <laughs> So I think you did a great job of summarizing it there. Uh, So essentially, as I mentioned, we've got Gordon, Peter Mullen playing Gordon. The team is Gordon, Phil, Mike, Hank, and Jeff. Craig will show up at the end, but that's our main five. Uh, Jeff is Gordon's nephew. Mike is uh, attorney-to-be, I guess. Mm. Uh, Phil is Gordon's partner in crime. He's played by David Caruso. And Hank is a douche. Just an absolute douchebag to everybody, and I don't understand why Gordon tolerates him as long as he does.
0: I think it's probably not easy to find workers for an asbestos removal crew. It looks like pretty shitty work.
1: It, it looks really shitty to do, and it's established multiple times that it's incredibly dangerous work.
0: It's very dangerous. One little fiber of asbestos in your lungs is like lung cancer death. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Because that's what they said in the movie. Stuff. So oh. I've... Side note, I've uh, renovated a lot of homes, and when you get older homes and there's asbestos in them, you can't just, like, rip up that glue in the floor because it has asbestos in it, Puff and up. that can
1: give you cancer. Oh, my God. Okay.
0: Like, a lot of buildings, the pipes are in it. It's very, very, very dangerous.
1: Okay. So yeah. Bill kind of establishes that they want to demolish this place, and they can't because of the asbestos. Yes. So that's why they're having a bunch of different crews bid for this job, and... Gordon says we can do it in two weeks and even then Phil is like no this is a three week job at least and then later he's even like no no no, one week we can do it in one week and I was like I don't know anything about asbestos removal, but this building is enormous, yeah. and there's only five of them. Yeah. There's no way they're going to get this done in one week. But he explains, I really need this job. I need this job. I, really I need, need to get this get out job. of my house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of skipped over the first big scare that came way sooner than I ever thought it would. When they're doing the walkthrough of the mm-hmm. house, Gordon looks down, and we see that the opening shot was also that chair, and it turns upside down. I thought that was fun. Um, but Gordon sees the chair again and like the, the set lighting darkens and we hear the voice of like that. And he goes, hello, Gordon. So good. And he like just, I got goosebumps. <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, I don't know who the voice of the doctor or who, uh, if Simon is the actor who played Mary Hobbs, then I got to give her props because so. that is the creepiest voice she could muster for that. Uh, as as this voice. Uh, so
0: Did you read, too, like one of the actors, he felt like he was getting voices in his head? uh, Yeah, that Peter Mullen.
1: Jump off the roof. Yeah, which is like... I
0: I think we all kind of have that a little bit. Like, what would happen if I did that? You know, and we stop ourselves.
1: Yeah, there's always like, there's something about just looking over a precipice that in your mind you're like, yeah, go, go for it.
0: Yeah, and we all talk to ourselves in our head. So it's like, well, what is that difference of this other, I don't know. Sure. It's
1: so no, it's like on your drive to work and you don't want to go to work and you think, like, well, maybe I'll just drive off this bridge. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just plow into that <laughs> uh, pole. Get
0: into a car accident.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, except, you know, you always imagine like, oh, well, I won't get maimed or something. Yeah, I'll just yeah. get a week just, or two yeah. off work. Maybe like a sore neck. <laughs> yeah. A cool scar maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so that's what's going on is this team has come in to uh, take out the asbestos crew in one week. And so it's really great screenwriting tactic to set up a clear timeline for the movie so we established that we're going to see five days monday through friday and uh, we even get title cards to show us and i wanted to ask did we ever see friday do they get to friday i
0: don't i don't think think so So. no because they never finish because they bring in someone to help finish the.
1: yeah that's right who was not going to finish it in time yeah um, which, is, which is creepy that like it only took four days for this guy yeah. to complete. Well, not even because, I mean, to spoil things, yeah. they get the job and they all kind of celebrate in their own ways. Gordon goes home to have pasta with his wife. She accidentally spills it on his leg and he murders her. Right. And he murders the dog and he murders their infant child, Emma.
0: Which you don't find out till the Which end. you
1: don't find out till the end. So hopefully you've seen this movie already because I just spoiled the big thing that reveals what the heck is going on yeah. with him for the whole movie. And it makes so much sense after you've watched it. Yeah. But I love that the movie, for people who haven't, who don't know what's happening, they he sets up a lot of shots to make you go like, is it Gordon? Is it Phil? Is it a ghost? Is it
0: Yeah, are they possessed? Yeah. Like, are they leaving the hospital? That was another thing too. It was like, after he does that where he goes on that one day, it's like, do they ever even leave? Like, do they have lives outside of this? are they dead what's happening oh I never who thought about are, that like, are they strapped here forever what, what's gonna well yeah. I
1: know there's that there's the, a line about um the security guard says when they closed, people came back and they hold they kind of linger on yes. Gordon yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so there's that question too of like was he an was ex he, uh in inma- well not inmate what do you call them Uh patient, patient. was he like an ex-patient yeah, yeah. who who came back somehow there's so many questions yeah. and only some of them are answered yeah
0: only yeah you, you, but that, it's still and,
1: super satisfying and
0: that's what's I I love that where your imagination can fill in the gaps. Yes. And if you're me, it's going to make it much worse than what someone else was going to write anyway.
1: Absolutely. It's a trope that I absolutely love is that no, n- it, nothing you can think of yeah. will be as scary as something I can think of. of. Course. And apply that to an entire audience of people. Yeah. Holding on a dark hallway is always going to be scarier than we'll ima- the best spider
0: yeah we'll all imagine our own worst fear
1: exactly yeah so like for for the person next to me it could be oh my god I hope a clown isn't down there and for the other person next to me it could be oh I hope the blob isn't coming yeah, yeah. and it's just everyone yeah. gets a chance to to imagine what it could be yeah um that's why I love the this I call it the second scare because it's there's really only a few scares in this Mm -hmm. movie it's just a long slow boil but when hank is uh in the like catacombs (gasps) and he's got the flashlight and he looks down the hallway and like the the silhouette comes in i i freaked out i I love that moment oh now i'm getting (laughs) (laughs) or
0: even like when he finds like the peanut butter
1: jar yeah that, oh, that oh. was
0: terrifying. Or to when he's me going too. through
1: the, the, the rings and uh, y- you realize Ugh. what he's going through and you expect him to kind of freak out a little bit, but he doesn't he care doesn't. at all. He's just and all about
0: the money. And uh-huh. then you're like, dude, you better watch your back.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself. Mm. So, um, Monday we established that, uh, Gordon hired his nephew, the douchebag Hank and the attorney to be Mike. And they're all, uh, getting to work together. We also learned that Hank is sleeping with Amy who Phil had a thing with. So yes. they hate each other even sure. more. I love this. I love that there's these threads yeah. and these deep characters that they don't matter.
0: doesn't matter. Cause they all die. Yeah.
1: And there's, the, it's just that, uh, that cosmic indifference that like these characters are talking about their futures on paper. That should mean that right. they'll survive. The universe doesn't care. Yeah. This place doesn't care. Well, and that's it
0: also makes you go, okay, well, why are they spelling this out? Is this person involved in?
1: Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. Especially when, um, how much Mike knows about this situation. Yes. There's so many weird things. Uh, so, w- the most important things we learn on Monday is the Patricia Willard case, which was a real thing. Mm-hmm. In the 80s, satanic ritual abuse syndrome was, uh, I don't want to say a plague, but it was this thing that got tons of people uh, incarcerated and yeah. uh, ripped away from their parents because these were uh, prosecutors asking children questions about events that did not happen
0: leading children i mean children are so susceptible i mean i don't know if you've seen the netflix documentary about the confession tape no things Ooh. And, it, and it's i, I watched it and i was like if you lock me in a room for 16 hours i'm canadian i'm a people pleaser i'm gonna tell you what you want to hear at some point <laughs> <You know? laughs> just to so, make you happy <laughs> like if if, if You take children and guide them, of course. And they have these vivid imaginations. They already have trouble separating reality from fiction. Exactly.
1: It's like torture. You're never going to get anything actually true. You're just going to get what they think they need to say to stop the torture. Yeah. And this is a version of that. They're not torturing the children, but they're telling them, you were tortured. Yes. What happened? Yeah. And what happens is, like this case that he explains, she recalled through repressed memory therapy that she was raped at yeah. at 10 and for a long time. And more than that, it was this whole thing with blood orgy and whatever. It didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen. She dropped the suit. They did a test. She was a virgin. It didn't happen. But the damage was still there. Yeah. The damage is done. Um, and for... I feel like there are still people today who think there's of Satanists. a lot of,
0: well, even like there's repressive stuff where people yeah think they've been abused as a child and they haven't. Yeah. Psychiatrists can have a lot of power in the wrong way. If yeah. it's the wrong psychiatrist, because
1: I feel like the mind will want to provide those things where there isn't to give you a catharsis. Like yeah. I imagine I'm thinking of people who are convinced that they were abducted, you know, yeah. like by aliens, which is a different thing. ghosts sure. aliens. We sure. won't <laughs> belabor that. Maybe if you come back, we can do uh Uh, Alien alien or something. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But uh, yeah, incepting this idea into a a vulnerable person to they're not trying to take advantage of the situation. It's Mm -hmm. just an unfortunate thing that I mean, it's beyond unfortunate. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess it's fortunate that those things actually didn't happen.
0: (laughs) It's also just very. It's it's that strange like like the witch trials or like yeah. you know people are afraid hysteria. of something hysteria and there's that word again sorry <laughs> they're, they're gonna blame it on, go. they're gonna blame it on something they don't understand like satanic rituals mm-hmm. or blah blah blah
1: or just a group of people yeah, yeah. group of
0: people they don't understand yeah
1: uh, so the last thing we learn is that Jeff has nyctophobia. I love that he researched what he has uh, it's a fear of the dark which. Everybody right. has yes. to an extent, especially in the situation he's in yeah. later. Like I'm not afraid of the dark, but I would be terrified just like oh my God. <laughs> yes. the lights. Yeah. he's running. Oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, Oh, the last last thing is we figure out why this movie is called Session 9. Mike has found these tapes mm-hmm. that are uh, Mary Hobbs, this woman that was committed here who has disassociative identity disorder. We learn that she has three personalities in her. She has, well, she's Mary. Then she has the princess, Billy, and Simon. Simon's bad. Simon's bad. So first we hear the princess, and she's, it's it's really creepy. It's yeah. such a good, like, the sound editing. Oh, I forgot to look up. I want to give props to the sound editor for this right. movie cuz the the way that it's distorted on the tape is so perfect.
0: It's not overdone. It's no. not cheesy. It's just yeah, it's
1: like yeah. you said perfect. <laughs> it of just yes. sounds like a little a little like uh worn over time. Right, um right. yeah. And uh, so that's another thing that set up is like it's kind of Mike is drawn to these tapes Mm -hmm. like he can't help himself he has to listen to the rest of them Mm -hmm. and and it's you know kind of left up to your interpretation of oh he's just interested in that or oh no there's some other force yeah like
0: a paranormal drawing him in yeah yeah
1: what did you think it was
0: i thought it was like a initially A paranormal force pulling him in.
1: Especially the way he opens the box and they really make it seem like he's unleashing something on everybody. Yeah, Yeah,
0: like a compulsion. Yeah. And that he can't leave and he's got to stay like overnight and listen to them all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, So then Tuesday happens and uh, we see this gazebo. I don't... Like, the gazebo is this... Uh, entry to the graveyard I guess yeah
0: lunch hashtag or slash lunch spot (laughs) yeah yeah they hang
1: out there at (laughs) one point Um, so uh, yeah they get lunch um, and uh, Mike is skipping out on this lunch to listen to another session session five where we learn that the princess lives in the tongue because she's always talking Billy lives in the eyes because he sees everything but where does Simon live Mm. I love that though that Billy lives in the eyes that there's like rules to her uh, uh, identities only some of of them can talk to others and uh it made me think of split um which is you know like the most recent disassociative identity oh, yeah, disorder yeah, yeah. with uh, james yeah. mcavoy yeah yeah, yeah yeah which he did a great job in i just i feel weird rewarding this kind of perpetuance of mm. that like oh all dissociative identity disorders are kidnappers and murderers uh hank talks about his gambling exit plan and this is where we establish mm-hmm. that uh he's he's gonna take off gordon calls wendy on his cell phone and has a conversation with her but how's mm. that possible if she died earlier it's so good so it's so good because each time it's like because this Stakes first time this first time he's talking that it's like a it's like a, a one-sided phone call right? yeah. or he's like a, no no you let me talk because i have hello <laughs> <laughs> and
0: but you also see that desperation of like a man yeah. losing his family yes
1: and, 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 and that's
0: enough at first. Can you think that's actually what it is? Yeah.
1: Is that yeah. like uh, something happened that like, oh, he he's in the doghouse or yeah. whatever and he, he's just trying yeah. to get a uh, 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 I'm sorry out. Yeah. Um. Then he sees Phil like doing a handshake agreement with some thugs. That subplot is so frustrating that yeah, he's that. just he just likes weed. <laughs> but it was 2001 and that was such a like, ooh, you got to watch out for Phil. He likes weed.
0: He's got to buy it from a sketchy drug. not just go to a
1: store (laughs) and i love the thugs too how they're like they're they're like movie thugs like they told them oh dress up how you think a thug would look and they're all tough and they're walking away um and uh this is where we see that hank has uh returned to the like crematorium Mm -hmm. at night to collect all of these uh rings and stuff and i don't remember i think it's the first time he finds it that that they do the zoom out where you see oh this is the crematorium room Um, and, uh, in my, like, we briefly touched on it, but like, I was like, oh my God, that's what this is. And you keep expecting him to go, oh, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't. doesn't care.
0: He doesn't even care when he finds the
1: the teeth and the, the eyes thing. or the lobotomy thing too. He goes like, what is this? He's
0: like, cool. A weapon.
1: Yeah. So he Ooh. finds that and then he hears something and he's going through the hallways and he sees the silhouette down the hall and he's getting chased and somebody gets him. Gordon gets him. Right. (laughs) Gordon lobotomizes him. Spoiler. And uh, that's when we get to Wednesday. Everyone's wondering where Hank is. Hank didn't show up. And uh, they have a phone call. Well, Phil has a phone call where (laughs) I love this. Uh, Hank went home that night and told Amy, we're done. (laughs) I'm gonna go to Miami to be a gambler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to yeah. go to gambling school. Gambling that's school. It. I'm not even. I'm, going I'm not to even
0: win. a successful gambler yet. I don't even think I can take on the pros. I gotta go to school first.
1: <laughs> Aren't you proud of me for having that kind of self awareness? <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was his plan is he was going yeah. to go to the crematorium, take all of those like rings and stuff yeah. and then go to Miami to, to, be,
0: learn to, go to, to learn
1: how to gamble,
0: not to gamble, to learn how yeah, to
1: gamble. Yeah. Earlier we've seen like he does scratchers and stuff. So obviously yeah. he's a seasoned gambler. Oh, he knows sure. what he's doing. Sure.
0: Like what, and what type was he going to do? Poker? Like what is his
1: <laughs> blackjack? Yeah. Blackjack? Who does? <laughs> Okay, so this is where Gordon goes through the gazebo and sits on the grave of um, uh, Mary Hobbs. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great way because there was no way he could have known for two reasons. He couldn't have known that that's what her like, what her number was, 444, yeah. because it was only in the file that Mike had. Um, I guess it's just that one reason. Also, he didn't know her name, but it wasn't on the gravestone right, anyway. Right. But I love that there's a tree like broken down on it. Like, there's an interpretation there that, oh, it was desecrated, and so something you know, was released oh. from that. Um, it's kind of a looser thread, but that's yeah. what I thought. Is yeah. like, oh, that's the only one really that's broken. Mm-hmm. And that's when he has another phone call with Wendy. And this one, he does such a good job when Jeff comes over and is just like, uh, hey, cheer up, man. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're, I'm going to work my butt off yeah. and we're going to get this done. So don't stress out. No. And God, uh, he does such a good job of, you can see he's like barely holding tears back because he's starting to remember what he did. Yeah. like, when he killed his wife and dog and daughter he put like this mental block or his mind did to yeah. protect him from what he yeah. did in the same way that mary hobbs's did characters invented a false reality yeah. to to protect her
0: that happens a lot i think it's, with it's murder a, like when when someone has a super catastrophic event they block it
1: yeah because the mind just simply can't Not deal with it. It
0: feels like it'll break. Especially it as a
1: child. Yeah. Like it It, it's, uh, it gives credence to the repressed memory uh, therapy again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what's happening to yeah. Mary. And that's kind of what's happening to Gordon without anybody really doing it is his repressed memories are slowly bubbling up. Yeah. But yeah. it's still filmed in a way of like what? what's, what's wrong happening? with him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Um, let's see. This is when uh, they go to the showers. Mike listens to another session, and uh, Billy's like uh, saying Simon's asleep. We can't wake up Simon. Mm-hmm. They go to the showers, and Gordon tells Phil that he hit his wife. Yeah. So something I, I I wonder. So I can't tell if he actually believes that he hit his wife, or if this is his way of like testing the waters of saying like, Hey, I hit my wife. Okay. So you think that's bad? Okay. So this yeah, is what really happened.
0: <laughs> I don't think he remembers that he murdered her.
1: I don't think so. Yeah. I,
0: I think he. This is his brain testing. The first part of their fight, and then he just is blocked.
1: Yeah, because maybe he did hit her to start, yeah, and of course. just doesn't remember yeah, the rest it, of it. You
0: know, he probably slapped her around a little bit first, and then, yeah. then it escalated. Right. Yeah.
1: Without like he doesn't even know. He says, "I don't know if it was the dog barking or uh, Emma crying, but I hit her." I hit my wife. I love my wife, and it's so painful.
0: And the and he has the flowers with him, and then you see the flowers in the in the
1: uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's like it's some chemical that you're spraying, but it's what Hank dropped, and so yeah, yeah, you see them down there, and it's so good. And uh, you see, yeah, the the peanut butter um, in his bag that, like, if you watch closely, it's like, oh, that's the same peanut butter jar. There's little like rewards for people. Totally. Um, but uh, Phil, like, oh, you hit your wife. I convinced the thugs to stop coming and being graffiti artists. So, yeah. so we're even here. That's good. <laughs> so It's all good. We're fine. Um, and then the next day, like instant. Well, so Gordon sleeps in his car. Uh, and, uh, that's where we get that first like hallway shot of, mm. uh, the white suit. Ooh. And, uh, it says, uh, do I mean, it Gordon why? and he's like covered in blood and that one that one got me too I would say that's scare number three so good of that voice saying do it Gordon is so good I know but it still gets well, me it's, also,
0: it's that fear of like oh my god if I went into that giant hospital would I, would I become possessed and become a murderer yeah is that what's gonna happen yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah that that yeah. like if if you go into it with even like point one demons in you they yes. will get heightened to 11 yeah. and you will have no control over them yeah. and they'll take and over it. you you're gonna go and yeah. you're gonna
0: murder everybody around you
1: yeah uh, i thought about that like uh i don't remember where i thought but i thought um I thought
0: about the other day when i was
1: uh just that just that i have i have demons and i i'm not pre- oh that's it it was about lsd i was talking with someone oh, about no. the idea of taking lsd and i thought i don't think i could ever do that because i think you have to be pretty confident in yourself before you can dive down a hole that unlocks your mind to to all kinds of things. And I have too many demons that I have not cathartic and uh, dealt with yet, you know?
0: Yeah, I did it by accident and really? uh, I do not recommend.
1: I have to imagine. Yeah, it's, it's one of the more extreme ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely not like weed, like poor Phil just wants <laughs> to enjoy. He's rolling a <laughs> joint and then Gordon comes up and he's like, God damn it, I gotta put it out right away. <laughs> and then he goes up to the roof to finish yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we've made it to Thursday. It's the mm. last day cuz we're not going to make it to Friday. Uh as I mentioned, Phil smoke at a joint and uh they talk. Well, th- this is where Phil betrays Gordon's trust instantly and talks with Mike about him hitting his wife. Yeah. And I guess Phil's established himself at this point as like the personnel guy. He, mm-hmm. he's the one that talks with Gordon about maybe hiring a new person on sure. and firing uh Hank. But he's talking with Mike now pretty loudly about how Gordon just confessed to me this super private thing. And now he's a liability and we should probably, you know, kick him. And we're
0: isolated in this giant old building and I'm going to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. Good idea.
1: So naturally, Gordon overhears this and confronts them in the most like passive aggressive way. I love it. How awkward that scene is because they know they're caught and he knows what they said. But they're just like dancing around it and pretending, oh, we're just talking about your, uh, your nephew and how he's coming along how is he coming along?
0: <laughs> and there's those, like, there's a couple shots where they're both crossing the gym. Do you, did you recognize those where you're, it's like it's this tension building where you're like, Oh my God, he's the killer. No, he's the killer. Oh yeah. And they're crossing that, that gym on the diagonal. Yes. I, I love oh, those I shots. Didn't,
1: oh, that's a great point. I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah that gym and we finally see i don't know who was killed on it all we see is the blood puddle but Mm -hmm. someone was killed in that gym yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah and in that scene too when um phil says we'll flip for who calls uh for lunch and gordon that's like his mind going oh i remember that from somewhere why do i remember this coin and you as the audience go was it phil who killed hank and now he has one of the coins Mm -hmm. or like is it gordon remembering that he killed hank i called Mm -hmm. him frank (laughs) (laughs) Hank, yeah um so uh jeff goes down to check on the breakers and that's where we get that Mm -hmm. awesome shot of the lights the generator dying and him running he he gets like, like. What
0: were those suits for? That's what I wanted. To know.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. They didn't put them there, and they are pristine.
0: <laughs> yeah. What 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 do you use those for in an institution? Like
1: to hose down ner- the patient? Like,
0: nurses don't wear these big no. rubber.
1: Yeah, and also the fact that these catacombs exist, like to to uh, get underneath. I noticed in your uh, essay that you mentioned that people actually had to live down there; that they were so yeah, overcrowded, they
0: max capacity, and people were sleeping in them.
1: Oh my god! With no access to sunlight, and it was probably cold and wet all the time down right there. Why does
0: every Three old lunatic asylum have catacombs like that. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I want to like know Like when that they're too. drawing them up, are they just like, hey, like, you know, let's make it super creepy.
1: Yeah, are they on the same blueprint plan as the rotating bookcase and the trap doors? Like,
0: well, in my mind, I, I feel like they put them in because they're like, we have to transport bodies underneath. We oh. can't just like wheel it through the main hallway. Because that gotta, would trigger everybody. Right, we got to just, we got to get them... That's usually where the morgue is, and that's, I don't
1: know. I don't know. I feel like all buildings in this, uh, whenever this building was built, they all had catacombs in it. That's Just true. like, oh yeah, this is the top floor, and uh, let's is, check out the catacombs. This
0: is where we don't go.
1: <laughs> this is where we hide the bodies. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, obviously, there is kind of like a, an expectation that you're going to see a big pile of bones or something down there yes, at some yes, point. I'm yes. um, glad we never do because that would only raise more too much questions. For me. Yeah.
0: The jar uh, of peanut butter was enough. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> so we're ramping up toward the end here. Uh, Mike is Finally listening to session nine, the mm-hmm. titular session nine, where we finally. finally hear Simon. And Simon does not sound like where Mary. Does Simon live again. Oh, well, so it's the very last oh, line, okay. but uh Simon lives, he <laughs> he says, I live in the weak and the wounded. <sighs> doc," Which is so good. Um so Jeff sees Hank standing by the window, and he says, what are you doing here? Twice. And he puts the tiniest little blood streak on the window, and I thought it's I know, so cute. I know. I couldn't get any more blood. He just goes,
0: I don't think you bleed a lot when you have a lobotomy.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I think
0: it's a pretty clean procedure.
1: Oh. I don't know. Why do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Jeff is, uh, he runs back to tell them, mm-hmm. and they go back, and Hank is gone. But that's when... Gordon accuses Phil of lying about what Amy said on the phone, which kind of keys into yeah, yeah. the fake yeah, yeah. phone calls that Gordon's been having. Uh, and then they hear footsteps, and David Kirschner delivers my favorite line: "Fuck you," <laughs> where the camera <laughs> zooms in on him. <laughs> I think
0: he didn't have his sunglasses at that moment. Yeah, Fuck exactly. You.
1: He might have looked yeah. <laughs> Uh, He might have looked too cool.
0: Too CSI. Yeah,
1: so the the gang splits. Gordon and Mike and Phil and Jeff are going in two different directions. Phil and Jeff are going into the basement. Gordon and Mike split up so Mike can go down and listen to the final session while Gordon unravels finally um, as he meanders his way into Mary's room where he finds photos of his family put up there. And there's a flashback shot of when... Phil found his wallet. So even here we're wondering, did Phil come in here and put his pictures up? Why would Phil do that? And oh, then no. Phil like comes into the room and there's just that long stare and you're still like, what happened? I know. And it's even more of a question when Phil is standing over Hank's body and is like, I found Hank, come check it out. And I'm, you're like, what the <laughs> hell is happening? And Gordon walks over and he sees that, oh, I love that reveal. That oh yeah. It's Duck in his head still and, I know. and he's still saying what are you doing here because well, that that's
0: why it wasn't bleeding when it's still in it's not We pull it out that makes sense yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's like right. when you get I'm a glad we uh, cleared that up yeah
1: <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you get poked with a, a push pin or something as long as you leave it in it should stay fine but you get it's it out like if you
0: ever get impaled
1: you're supposed to leave it in yeah leave it in yeah like glass donut up.
0: bandage it i don't know
1: <laughs> no uh i think for my eagle scout i think like yeah for an object in the eye you do not remove it you oh, leave yeah. it in there yeah yeah Uh, so Jeff was panicking in the dark. He made his way all the way out. And another, I love this, this POV shot of somebody rushing up to Jeff and Jeff is like, Hey man, whoever you are, I'm so sorry about the (laughs) Oreos. And then he gets killed too. It was Gordon. Uh, and the fact that Jeff like, Cause we see the, the reverse shot of it. He was covered in blood when Gordon is like running up to him yeah. <laughs> and he's got like the little blade or whatever. So he's stoned. yeah, yeah, whatever. But um, also, I mean, he did just have a panic attack basically right. running out of there. So he could be coming down. He's still in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't mean to mock this movie. <laughs> so um, <laughs> long story short, Simon explains what happened with Mary on uh, Christmas in Lowell. Peter and Mary uh, were siblings Peter got a knife for Christmas. Who <laughs> gives a child a knife?
0: I think in the old, you gave them little guns and knives back That's in the true. day.
1: Oh, I guess I didn't do the math on this because so I would have been. I think they said she like was fourteen. Oh, she was. Was she fourteen when the event happened or when she got incarcerated?
0: Well, when was she incarcerated? I don't remember. I don't even know. Oh well, she could, it could be oldie times because we see the
1: photo of her and she's a full grown adult. Yeah. So I have to imagine she's been there because the event happened when she was a little girl. Yeah. So she's been there for a long time. I feel
0: like they show a family photo and it looks. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. Dated. And yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Uh, weathered, faded. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the reveal is that Peter played hide and seek with Mary, scared her. She fell onto her present, which was a China doll, which shattered and cut her up her really chest. bad. Yeah. And that's when Simon was awoken and yes. encouraged her to kill Peter and then her own parents and that's that's essentially what the doctor was trying to get out of Mary this whole time is the repressed memory of her killing her uh, brother and her parents. Yes, because she got startled, because she got hurt. It, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mock this particular area of it because clearly Mary was a child. I'm just
0: saying this is not an accurate <laughs> depiction of mental health. I don't want to hear. <laughs>
1: No, this should be taught in schools, in Psychology 101. We should go, that, that's a diagnosis. Um, No, like, the way they set it up, it's heavily implied, I feel like, that Peter, you think Peter raped her. You think that something happened that was so traumatic to her. But don't you
0: think it's scarier that something so small set her off to murder? Yeah. Like, I was just watching, I'm going, the Aaron Hernandez documentary he's the football player who killed three people oh my god no do tell it's on netflix and he would snap he just snapped like like this like nothing because he had that brain thing with the football players get but also he's probably a, like a sociopath yeah and i think that's scarier that this one small thing can make someone turn around and go
1: yeah it really is especially a child a child who yeah. in movie language are supposed to be pure and safe
0: right Unless you're possessed by Simon.
1: Yeah, or The Omen. <laughs> um, honestly, or a bunch of kids now. Uh, that's why I like The Orphan a lot, because did you ever see The Orphan? I did, yes. Yeah, where you think it's a child the whole time, and that's kind of the horror, but it's revealed that she's an adult, and that's creepy. I love that reveal. Um, but we're not talking about The Orphan. We're talking about the very end of uh, Session 9. So uh, at this point the the new guy shows up Craig and I love mm. how he peels around the corner and like screeches to a stop and he's creeping through and that's where we see that everyone's dead we didn't get to see yeah. most of the deaths all we see is Craig's uh he doesn't actually see them he's just kind of creeping through but we see there's like a body in the uh, at the end of a hallway. Well, and
0: there's also all the like I call it the Dexter rooms, like when they have the, uh, yeah. the plastic sheeting up. I'm yeah. like, that's Dexter room. <laughs> it was like Dexter room set up everywhere. A,
1: it looks really cool, <laughs> it's really sterile yeah, at the yeah, end there. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, when Craig shows up and he sees Hank on the floor, uh, Gordon comes behind, gets the drop on him, takes the lobotomy like spike out of Hank's head, which I it's so gross how like. his head comes with it before it like hits down on the floor and And he's still alive that's what blows my mind is that like I I don't know if Hank actually dies I think he because
0: people got lobotomies like that that was how they did it it was this and would go on and just be kind of out of it
1: yeah and the way Mike says like oh uh, um, side effects black eye uh, diagnosis sunglasses uh like or treatment sunglasses like that's that's how little they cared yeah. about destroying a person yeah, literally no, they destroying just a person and
0: to numb their impulses and it's
1: not fixable you can't put the brain part back you can't put back. the brain
0: cells back no <laughs> it's, not.
1: It's, it's so just, it's so barbaric
0: it's so barbaric and it's
1: perfect fodder for a horror movie
0: and it was done so recently if you really think about it
1: yeah and i love that the the walkie talkie that we hear it's the voice it's the mm-hmm. doctor it's uh or is it simon No, it's not Simon. It's the doctor's Mm. voice. Um, And I I love that because it kind of sounds like Phil, but not enough. It's a little too confident. Um, And so finally, the last shot is uh, Gordon calling his wife one more time on a definitely broken phone. (laughs) And I love that, how yeah. he's sitting in Mary's room, and he is now Mary. He's he in the to, asylum. He,
0: someone needs to close the door, lock it up. He needs to stay there. Yeah, and that's yeah. where
1: we get that last helicopter shot. And, and Simon, the doctor, asks, and where do you live, Simon? And Simon says, I live in the weak and the wounded and that's session 9. Gosh.
0: I'm dancing. You can't see it but I'm dancing.
1: <laughs> it left like when I was done with this movie it left this ache inside of me cuz the the way that the ending is set up you don't know what actually happened no. until the last moment, literally I mean, like that still, last line. And you still, you can't
0: digest it all. You still have no idea. That's why you have to go back and watch it again because you're like, what
1: is Because each individual audience member kind of has to decide where they fall yeah. on all of these like possibilities, these, yeah. these questions of what happened. Yeah. But the first thing I always like to ask my guests uh, from a movie is what happens next what happens when Bill shows up to say, all right, the job should be done and finds everybody dead and Gordon in there? Does he call the police? Does he get incarcerated? Does he go on a killing spree? What do you think I happens? I mean,
0: I feel like Gordon takes off into the world and we never hear from him again, but he has, does bad things. Something
1: in my mind tells me that he shuts this out again. And maybe he even f- finds a new identity for himself, moves to like another yeah. town, yeah. forgets all of he this. He just
0: becomes this random little c- weird crazy yeah. dude. And he
1: becomes like maybe he's the guy at the bar who's maybe, always there. Yeah,
0: maybe he puts Simon to sleep for a while and then maybe Simon comes back.
1: But the scariest part is I don't think he gets arrested. I don't think he gets punished. I
0: don't think he gets caught. no, yeah. no. Although all of the photos up, like if they did catch him, he's got all his photos. That's
1: up true. And he did sign the contract. There's a lot of paperwork that they could point to him as like, well, even if he didn't do it, he's the only one who lived. Right. So let's talk to him.
0: <laughs> and I don't think he's together enough to remove the evidence. And, no, you know, no, no, no. But
1: no. I think he would get insanity plea for sure.
0: Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. Like yeah. he was
1: not, this was not premeditated. Right. Yeah. He was not of right mind. Um, So my next segment is the one where we ask all of our questions. Hmm. The segment is called Mystery LLC. So my first question right off the top is, why did Gordon snap? Was it possession from Simon? Was Simon some kind of spirit that infected him when he went into the hospital? Or was he simply a man with mental illness that went untreated and didn't have a support network? And the noise and he was just overwhelmed at a moment and got sick.
0: No, and that's why I love this movie yeah. because that question drives me crazy. Yeah, and I still I have not. Did you come to a decision on your own?
1: So my head can't, and it's a shame because you. I just kind of have to decide. I guess this is where I'm staying because yeah, there's there's enough to give credence to all of the possibilities, but where I end is um, that. Gordon is that there's no possession there's no ghosts mm. but that Gordon was an ex-patient at this uh, facility oh, and when they released go. him that's that's where I, that, that makes the most sense to me for Simon to just for all of the connections that they set up between Mary and Simon for them not to be like relatives or the same person you know like yeah so that's the only thing because because the Simon connection is the one lingering thing that makes you go is this possession or not?
0: I think I went with the do we all have this little bit of evil that lives within us within us and him entering into that environment? Did it somehow trigger that little bit of evil to come out?
1: Yeah. And that's definitely what that final line like kind yeah. of uh, inst- instills in you is I live in the weak and the wounded. Yeah. It's not Mary's eyes or tongue. Mm-hmm. I live in everybody mm-hmm. who's ever felt uh mm-hmm. like they have no power or no control or no other option and that's what's so creepy as simon says i didn't make her do this i didn't take over her body i, I encouraged, encouraged her mm? yeah,
0: i just opened that she gate. let me yeah uh-huh. like opening a gate yeah here
1: they go. always do they always uh, do is what she says so that's that's more evidence to like yeah that's it's but at the same time she's an unreliable narrator Oh, of course. Like yeah. she's got dissociative identity disorder. Of so, yeah, yeah. we can't yeah. take what she's saying as like, oh, put this in a journal. This yeah. is the scientific journal. So, yeah.
0: Did Brad Anderson ever say what he thought happened?
1: Uh, and I couldn't find anything. So, like in my research, there <laughs> first of all, okay, so I need to talk about this. I could not find this movie to watch.
0: So it was, because uh, I was going to watch it again last night and it was on streaming on yeah. like Crackle, I think. Yeah, it but used to been, be. Yeah, it's been taken off. And
1: even all the ads, like if you Google watch Session 9, it'll be like, oh, it's on Shudder. Just come over to yeah, Shudder. Yeah. And I go there and it's not there. No, it's off. And so um, I, had, find it? I had to torrent this movie. Mm-hmm. I had to get it from uh, Illicit Means because I had to watch this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't yeah, about yeah. to text you and go, oh, can we do a different movie? <laughs> <laughs> you wrote the essay for it. So so I made it happen. But uh, viewers, listeners out there, i don't know where you're going to find this movie if you want to watch it um but that also meant that there was uh, unfortunately a lot uh very little research to be done there just isn't that much that like he didn't do that many interviews to talk about this movie it'd be pretty great to talk to him about it now and see what he thinks yeah uh so what happened oh i already i already mentioned that uh why doesn't phil want hank to call amy so badly when they're in the stairwell and hank or um I I put Hank, but I meant Gordon. Mm. Why doesn't Phil want Gordon to call Amy so badly when they're in the stairwell and he's saying, like, he's losing it. He's losing it. And they don't want... He doesn't want to give him the phone.
0: I think there's hidden relationship secrets. I think all these men have secrets.
1: Do you think he... And
0: Amy would have a key to some secrets.
1: Okay. So maybe
0: like all these men have done some not great things they've been not great partners <laughs> you know they, they're not the ideal husband yeah so maybe amy has intel you just you know you don't want your broskies
1: that's not as interesting a question as i realized <laughs> <laughs> did you have any lingering questions besides that big one before i move on to my next segment No. Okay. <laughs> well, my next segment is <laughs> Screaming Themies, where we talk about oh. some of the themes at work in this movie. Yes. You mentioned a couple of, of um, paranoia, mm-hmm. the theme of paranoia of being with a group of people in an isolated place and not knowing who to trust. Yes. Just like the thing, like you mentioned, yes. that we're placed in this environment where we have a job to do, and that requires trusting yes. the people around me and that falling apart and just the kind of like unease. I've never experienced paranoia to this level.
0: No, but don't you think we all experience it on a lesser level? Yes. In like friend groups or work groups. Or like elevators. Is that, <laughs> is so and so talking smack about me, about this to my boss? And then is that going to get me fired and fuck up my life? Mm-hmm. You know, we all deal with it in like a smaller level, I think. Yeah, you're because totally right. Because humans, we're political. We move in political groups and we scheme and we do all these things and some of us are shitheads, and I think, yeah, it's just that ramped up.
1: No, you're totally right, and I didn't. It didn't occur to me that it's it's not st- a full hundred percent paranoia where I don't trust other people and I'm going to be ag- agoraphobic and live in my home. It's this like tempered paranoia that yeah, I can trust a person. To a certain point, yeah. but then I don't know who they are. So I really couldn't, I, I shouldn't give them everything. I shouldn't let my exactly. guard down. And
0: especially when you have been burned or we've all like been a part of a friend group and then been shunned. Yeah. We don't know why. Yeah. Or, or something. Or, or ghosted. Or, or ghosted. We've all been ghosted and we don't know what happened and we don't know what's living underneath or what pain people are carrying around yeah. or what... In Sets fact, them off.
1: yeah, that makes me realize that we they establish in a few lines that Gordon is historically the Zen master. That mm. apparently in every past experience he's been super calm. He never flies off the handle. Oh and he's like screaming in uh, Phil's face and uh, Jeff has to come over and tell him like, hey, everything's gonna be yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's that paranoia element too of you did trust a person. You knew yeah. them really and well. Ripped. And now who is this? I don't know who they are anymore, but I, I, I think they're still my friend. Yeah. But now like this person that you super duper trusted, you have to temper that paranoia again. Yeah. And that seems worse almost. The, the the idea that you knew someone or that you, you thought someone. you did.
0: Or a few, like I have known uh, a couple of people where they've gone into schizophrenia. So it usually happens with young men, right? From early, in their early 20s. Okay. And to watch them go from being totally sound mind, normal, to flipping into this whole other person, it's terrifying. Yeah,
1: because they they really don't have control.
0: They don't have control. But all of a sudden, they believe that you know, you're a demon and they need to kill you. Yeah. And I'm like where
1: does your responsibility to like obviously you don't want to validate that, but you right. don't want to tell them they're crazy.
0: Right. So but so if that exists in the human mind on such an extreme scale, it exists on a smaller scale too, where people I don't
1: know. Absolutely. And it's it goes part and parcel with isolation yeah. and the idea that we are cut off from the world. It's not like we, we go to Denny's after this. Like, Sure. M- maybe they do, but still <laughs> they establish that when they're here working, they are like in a bubble, essentially. Yeah. I yeah. feel like
0: none of them really go home. Like it's like a paranormal force like – locks them in there. And
1: I like that you mentioned force because that brings me into my next theme, which is man versus nature. Asbestos Mm -hmm. is a natural real killer. Yeah. Like Gordon is a killer, but asbestos is the more prevalent killer here that we need to protect from. There's no amount of gas mask I can wear to keep me from a man who wants to strangle me.
0: Mental illness is a killer.
1: Exactly. And it's a natural killer. Killer. It's, it's, um, I always struggle with the difference between man versus nature and man versus God. Man Mm. versus nature in this case is much easier because there's zero religious uh, image or yeah. symbolism or anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Simon may or may not be a force of nature. The mental illness is a force of nature. The asbestos is a force of nature and the, the people also like, well, that's man versus man, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Final segment is where we rate the movie on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst and five being the best based on any criteria under the sun. Paula, what'd you think of session nine?
0: I want to give it five thumbs because I love it, but I'm going to give it four thumbs. Okay. There are some issues. Do you you want to go into why? (laughs) I'm such an asshole. My little actor brain was like, no, don't say why, because what if one day you audition for Brad Anderson?
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well then you could reach out to me and I'll edit this out. (laughs) Don't listen to that podcast.
0: (laughs) Um, David Caruso bugs me. He bumps yeah. me. He does bump me. I feel like I, I feel like maybe he was cast because he thought well, this will give my it'll be easier to sell, sell the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he could have done some better casting on him.
1: He's definitely the most recognizable on the cast, and that can kind of rip you out of it a couple of times. Totally. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. I don't think he does a terrible job. Oh, no. But I just I feel like that casting could have been better and then the other CSI guy could have been recast out.
1: As I feel well. like it's a shame of what his character is given to do. He's like Phil in the whole movie is almost uh, an antagonist yeah and he's the one that's constantly telling uh, Gordon, you should do this. you should do this and Gordon's telling him I'm in charge. And so mm-hmm. it's a shame that this actor who sticks out like a sore thumb is also at odds with all the other characters yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But you know what? Now I just thought about the score and now I want to give it four and a half
1: thumbs. Okay, I was going to mention the score. There's a couple of moments that almost sound like ringtones or something that are so jarring. They're great. I love them.
0: It just gets, it's so haunting and creepy and subtle. Yeah. It's genius.
1: So then traditionally we award our thumbs to Mm. characters in the movies. You Mm. can give all, well, four and a half. You can split those up or you can give them all to one character. Who are you going to award your thumbs to?
0: Well, I mean, I have to give some to Gordon. Yes. Obviously. Yes. I have to give some to mullet because <laughs> <laughs> although Brandon he doesn't the third. really push the plot along that much, I just love his quirky, bad skin mullet.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's more comedic relief.
0: <laughs> he just adds a layer yeah, for me. He's the youth. Yeah. So, um, should we get, let's do three to Gordon. Okay. One and a half to mullet.
1: Okay. Nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, what would you do? Oh, the, we gotta give st- thumbs to the voice.
1: Oh, oh, to um Mary Hans? Yes. To Jurian Hughes? Yes. Yeah, you you can give a you can
0: I gotta give I gotta give her a thumb. Okay, awesome. At least. Maybe two thumbs. I she, don't know.
1: She we don't get to actually see her perform and she takes this movie yes, to horror right, levels. Right. Yeah. Ah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm so glad you brought this movie because Aww. I did not remember how good it was I'm
0: so glad you re-enjoyed watch- or you enjoyed re-watching it yes, yes I
1: did and I the next day at work I was telling people about like have you guys seen session 9 oh it, it's this and this and this and oh it's so good and then they can't find it and anymore. then they can't <laughs> you know, no 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 I'm the only one who has a copy of it <laughs> but yeah it's so good right from that first scare of of the the, the set lights dimming and yeah. we hear the voice uh, hello gorgeous Gordon something about the name Gordon is so scary the way it's said I love it um
0: cinematography too for like a young director mm-hmm. it looks so advanced
1: well it just blows my mind because traditionally um a, a movie will make a set because the place that they want to film can't fit a camera crew sure. and so they will physically recreate the, uh, the the setting that they wanted in a set so that they can use studio lights and mm-hmm. have all the million people that they need around but since this was a small cast and a small crew they're all able to do it in house and all of the lighting is natural and it but looks you
0: have to have such an eye for that when you walk into a space to be able to capture that like we might walk in and go oh my god this looks perfect and then could never capture it oh on film. You're,
1: you're absolutely right that like the angles that yeah. he sets up and especially some of the like um there there's a couple shots where david caruso's character will walk um and look at something on the wall and the camera instead of holding on him will pan down to a puddle on the ground yes. that shows a reflection of of him on the wall and there's just things like that yeah that yeah, are so there's great a, there's
0: such a skill set in the way he builds tension visually it's
1: not to amazing. mention the aerial shots mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and the way that the script is done it's so tight where it's just this four-day period and so we only have this like step-by-step like logical progression of tension um a even
0: fast uh, build yeah, it, yeah, yeah yeah it really
1: is um and even hank is as what a douche he is he's still a great character and everyone in it is super believable Mm -hmm. there's the one scene that i want to highlight in particular when they're up on the roof Mm. and uh phil like uh walks away from gordon and gordon grabs the back of his head and he yells in his face he tells him don't you walk away from me don't you ever walk away from me and i remember thinking in that moment like there are so many ways that an actor could not sell that moment but i'm scared of him I'm scared of Peter Mullen in that moment when he is so close to David Caruso and, he, and he's like, you're gonna hit me? And he's like, I might.
0: It could have gone so cheesy. It could have. Not even just that scene. All The, the whole like, movie. The graveyard scene. Like all the cell phone. It could have gone so cheesy. Yeah. That the, the collage wall could have gone so cheesy. See that, uh-huh. all that stuff in that room because there's and so much doesn't. of it
1: where it's just Peter Mullen's face that sells it and all like the writing is there and the setting and whatever but Peter Mullen and his face and it's almost like it's not the lines that he says yeah. it's the pain that he shows in between those lines and, and I'm not an actor and
0: the story that you're so confused about where the pain is coming from through the whole movie yeah and you're watching that like how do you portray
1: not- that how do you portray I'm in pain but I don't even know why like I'm yeah. I'm unraveling to figure out why, why do I know Hank isn't in Miami? Why do I know this? And yeah. how do you show that? And the
0: reveal of the we never talked about the reveal of his like wound on his leg. Oh, too. That's that right. was huge.
1: That's right. Um yeah. yeah, a couple of times since he got the boiling water poured on his leg, there's that first moment of there's a little like water spot on his leg, and yeah. you go, What's up with that? And he pulls his pant leg up and he screams, and you're like What's going on? Yeah, and yeah. And then you see yeah. it later and he pours the iodine and I always think about that too of actors portraying pain in mm. movies, especially like um there's Kurt Russell in a Death Proof, pulls a bullet out of his like arm and then pours vodka on it once oh my in God. part and I remember just like I lost it because of how he, he sells it for me. Yeah. He is actually digging a bullet out yeah. of his arm. That's not pretend. That's not acting. And so, yeah, when uh, when Gordon pull, pours like the iodine and he's like, ah, and he's like drooling. <laughs> it's in so he's in so much pain. He's he carries oh. this movie. Yeah. So I am actually going to give this movie five thumbs. <laughs> I am. I'm going to give it five thumbs and I'm going to award my thumbs. I'm going to give one. Th- <laughs> I'm going to give one to the security guard because he, <laughs> he does such a good job. He's working his ass off and he didn't even get a name. Uh, uh, so he deserves a thumb. I'm going to give one to uh, the uh, Mary. I'm going to give one to Jurian Hughes because if she is Simon, wow. she That woman needs more work. I'm going to give one to Gordon, of course. I'm going to give two to Gordon because he, he does such a good job uh, yeah. with that this whole movie. I'm going to withhold one from Phil for now. So instead, uh, I'm going to give one to the sound editor yeah. because oh. I, I didn't look him up. Are we allowed
0: to do that? I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Jeez, now, now you explain the rules. I set you up.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did say that I, we only give them to characters, but mm. I got to give one to the sound editor for the ending. We never see Gordon kill his wife, dog and baby. For obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, maybe we would see the wife, no, but. but I think
0: so many people would use that as a cheap thing. Totally, like, for the yeah, shock. gratuitous violence I, thing, yeah. I
1: can, I can see a version of this in my head where, oh, we hear a baby crying off screen. He walks to a door and closes it behind him, and that's our way of going, oh, mm-hmm. he killed her. But this, the sound editor found a way to make a baby dying sound, and I don't know how. How he did it so like I do this podcast and I do Maybe sound editing and stuff
0: did <laughs> well, you think about that
1: no I didn't because I recognize some of those sound <laughs> effects he, it's, it's, it's really interesting because at the same time he reuses some sound effects that are like stock sound effects that yeah. you can find online but it still sells it he found the sound of a baby crying that we've all heard before but he, he made it gargle or like gurgle like it's windpipe was getting pushed it was so good and then the do it Gordon hits like a ton of bricks. Yeah, yeah. And that's all sound. It's only sound that carries the whole Has horror. he worked a
0: lot since? Because I, I have feel no idea. like this should have been really good for his reel.
1: I gotta I gotta look them <laughs> up. Um but uh, yeah, so those those are my thumbs. That's what I thought of uh, session nine. So Yay! Paula, thanks yes. so much for coming onto the Gory Days. Thank
0: you for having me. Absolutely. This
1: was fun. So where can people find you online if they wanna follow?
0: Uh, I am on Instagram at Paula A. Lindberg, because my middle name is Annalena. And I am on Twitter at Paula Lindbergh
1: fantastic we'll put that in the in- episode description mm-hmm. um otherwise you can find my favorite horror movie too, the new blood on amazon or in the uh, episode description here mm-hmm. you should definitely pick one up and uh <laughs> if you want you can email me and maybe i can uh, pull some strings and get it signed <laughs> by one Ooh! of the uh, authors totally
0: or come out on the 31st <laughs> to fantastic. an event that i can't remember where it is but you can find it online that's
1: right we'll figure it out yeah, and we'll, we'll put it out by the time this comes out <laughs> <laughs> um so that's it for us on the gory days as i mentioned, Mentioned at the beginning, if for whatever reason you want to listen to more of me, you can check out Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor right here, wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you like this episode, please give us a review. Go ahead and go down to uh, wherever Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as many places as possible uh, as you can, Spotify, SoundCloud, and let us know what you think. Um, and if you don't like us, maybe just send don't me a personal them. email. <laughs> yeah, maybe just send me a, a personal email and we can work it out. Um, but until next time, Stay scary the out there. day. The